that is where we stand in 2023 so far. There's a lot of room left, I think, in this bull run that began in September. It's going to be a good year for silver, is my prediction. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from The End Game Investor. Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year to Chris. Happy New Year to Yara. Happy New Year to everyone behind Arcadia Economics. And Happy New Year to our sponsor, Fortuna Silver Mines. And its CEO, Jorge Ganoza. And all the people there, too. I want to take a moment to reflect on Silver Squeeze, the purpose of it, the function of it, and how it fits in the entire monetary picture. I think a lot of people understandably, but I think mistakenly believe that silver squeeze is going to be responsible for the inevitable moonshot that silver will make. And by moonshot, we mean, of course, the collapse of the dollar. It might hasten it a little bit. And obviously the world is better off with a silver squeeze movement than without one. However, silver becoming money again directly, at least for a time, is the inevitability of the end of the dollar system. But I don't think Silver Squeeze, the movement to acquire physical silver before this happens in a conscious way by a whole group of people, I don't think this necessarily speeds up the process. What it does do is that it wakens more people up so that a greater proportion of people, once the end game does hit, do have resources and the real monetary system, meaning the gold and silver dispersed amongst the population, is more equitable, you could say. I don't even want to use that word because it's a bad word these days. But the more people that are woken up beforehand, the more people will be able to participate in the rebuilding of the division of labor once the end game hits. Assuming that there is no silver squeeze, that there was no silver squeeze, fewer people would be aware of the inevitabilities of the end game until it happens. And those fewer people would have more wealth as opposed to a greater number of people with slightly less or more evenly distributed. However, what is more advantageous to restoring a division of labor? To have as many people as possible with real resources before the monetary system implodes. You don't want a situation where the real money is piled up among very few sources. The more evenly distributed it is, meaning the more people understand this is what they have to do, the more stackers we can get to join us before the end game hits, the bigger the base upon which the division of labor can be reconstructed. So hopefully we can get the word out this year in 2023 to keep spreading the Silver Squeeze movement because that eventually it is these groups of people that are going to rebuild the division of labor once the monetary system implodes. And as always, the Silver Report is sponsored by Fortuna Silver Mines FSM. I wanted to show here the one-year chart, what this stock has been doing over the last year, especially since silver's bottom in late September. You see here FSM is in the candles, and this is what you can expect from the stock. You see here in the candles FSM, and in the red line we have the SIL Silver Miners ETF. You can see that on a year chart, FSM has already gained back all of its losses as silver has bottomed, it appears. And now it's up 0.26, basically flat for the year for the last 52 weeks, while SIL, the Silver Miners ETF, is still down 20%. I expect that to reverse also as silver continues to climb. Silver is up about 4% for the year. And we can see here that at the bottom, around the bottom, 
FSM and SIL basically were performing pretty much the same. FSM was a little bit below SIL, below the silver miners ETF, but basically the same. But you see on the way up, Fortuna really starts to diverge here. And you really see the strength relative to the SIL ETF, which indicates, in my view, that FSM is an above average, better company than most companies in the SIL or certainly in the, the top percentiles, which is why I think it is outperforming on the way up and did not underperform on the way down. But anyway, let's go to the slides. In our first slide here, see SLV Holdings hit new lows. And this is a theme that I'm going to show you throughout these slides, a bunch of charts I have lined up here. Now, what I want to point out is that as silver, as the spot price rises, the holdings in SLV tend to rise. That has been the case throughout its existence pretty much and we saw here in 2020 right after the uh, world changed we saw here a rise in the total metal in the trust this is the slv holdings the amount of silver in the actual etf supposedly and that rose as the price of silver rose and we saw here here's the silver squeeze squeeze up ever since silver squeeze the holdings in the metal have trended downward you see a little blip up here in the beginning of 2022 the beginning of last year with a little rise up in the silver price here but ever since then holdings have fallen and i want to zoom in on this final area here okay so this is since the silver bottom or very near it in uh, mid-october of 2022 last year and we've seen the silver price the uh, the slv price and the silver price move up and in that time the SLV holdings have continued to trend down. This is the first time on a sustained basis for months on a trend that silver has trended higher for such a long time, but SLV has liquidated shares and liquidated baskets and shrunk its silver holdings. This has never happened for this long of a period of time. And I think it signifies that control is moving over to the physical markets from the paper markets. You can see this also showing up in the junk silver premiums chart. Uh, how so? Well, because you see here that the premiums topped out in November at around 48% or so, it looks like. I don't know exactly the number, 47, 48%. And now we are down to 28%. So that is a 20 percentage point fall in premiums from the peak at around 48%. Now, what is happening here is that the spot price is obviously rising which as a percentage assuming that physical pre physical coins stay around the same price the premiums are going to fall however they are not falling as fast as the spot price is rising if you calculate from this point here when physical premiums are about 48 percent the spot price has risen 27 percent whereas the fall in premiums is about 20 percentage points so the premium price of premiums physical premiums have fallen less and the spot price has risen which means demand is still going into the physical markets even though the premiums are falling had premiums fallen for at the same pace as the spot price rises then the demand would be the same and if premiums fall faster than the spot price rises then demand for physical is falling relatively to silver but it's still rising because the premiums are falling less fast than the spot price is rising and here's what i wanted to focus on uh this chart i think is very important this is gold and we'll move to silver in a second you see here that the open interest has been trending down since the march 7th nickel squeeze high 
Now we would expect open interest to fall as the spot price falls, but we are seeing now something a little bit different. The spot price is rising and open interest is still trending downward. It has been rising for uh, since around Oct yeah late September, October, November, December, January. So that's four months now. That's the longest tr it's been trending up and open interest is still trending down. On a long-term view of the gold open interest chart, you can see that on final bull leg moves like this, for example, in 2020, in the August 2020 high, and in the uh, the March 2022 high, which is about equal, or close to 2100, about 2080, I believe, we see in both instances these sharp moves higher in open interest. So this is a signal that it's the paper traders that are controlling the price here when you have a final move, final bull move up in a, a bull cycle. So when open interest shoots up like this, that means there's a little bit of a frenzy going on and there's probably going to be a sell-off. But see, we're not seeing that now. And that's why I wanted to zoom out. In the gold chart, at least, we're seeing gold move up strongly since and open interest really isn't going anywhere. So that means there's a lot of room left for this bull move to run. In this long-term silver chart, I want to point out two things. I pointed this out uh, towards the beginning when I started doing the silver report, but it's good to remind here that, that we're in a new year that the end game monetarily in the silver market is going to look something like this that we saw in 1980. You see here, this is open interest on the bottom here, and open interest was rapidly falling as the final parabolic top beginning in 1979 started to take shape. See here, just constantly falling open interest. This was a year-long short squeeze from these positions way back in the mid-1970s. And here we see a peak of like 450,000 contracts open in silver. And so compared to that, we're not seeing that yet. So we are not in end game stages right now. What we are seeing now is a rise back up in the silver price and a generally trending down open interest. We saw here it was at 250,000 contracts uh, in 2019, and it's been falling ever since. And this, as the price has been trending higher. And so right now, interest in silver futures is on the wane while the price is moving up. That is where we stand in 2023 so far. There's a lot of room left, I think, in this bull run that began in September. It's going to be a good year for silver, is my prediction. And it's going to be a bad year for the purchasing power of the dollar, regardless of where the dollar index actually goes. But I want to end this silver report with one lesson, again, from my favorite precious metals analyst. I found this paper from a subscriber who sent it to me a few weeks ago, and I read it thoroughly. And it helps try to answer a question we all have on our mind. There is a moment when the public suddenly realizes that the dollar is dying and dumps it and gets its hands on as much gold and silver as it can. Mostly silver for the public, which is why this is the silver report after all. And we sort of imagine that moment as the public just wakes up, a light bulb goes off in everyone's head and they suddenly realize it. But then there's no explanatory power. When does that happen? When does the public realize? How does it suddenly just click on? And so he actually tries to answer that question, I think in a very original and correct way. This is from a report that Oliver wrote in December 2011, and it's important to understand what he's saying here. So I'll begin. Hyperinflations always affect highly indebted countries and always strike suddenly. The common explanation is that there is a psychological moment when holders of currencies realize it is worthless and abandon it. 
but pleading animal spirits is not a satisfactory answer. And now he says, a better theory is that a society-wide short squeeze can elevate a currency's value for a period of time as long as debts are near universal and serviced. If everyone's in debt, basically, and everyone needs dollars, that preserves the value of the dollar for a time as long as everybody needs it because they are all in debt or the big money centers need it because they are all in big debt. So when does the turn happen? When do people dump it? When does the value start to fall? Now he says, once a critical mass of borrowers actually defaults, demand dissipates, and the currency plunges to seek its economic value as determined by the asset side of the central bank's balance sheet. Now, what he's saying here is that once you have people default and they no longer need to service their debt because the debt is now worthless and they stop paying it, then that demand for dollars goes away. Now, there's a difference between private defaults and defaults by the assets on the central bank balance sheet. So he continues here. He says, private defaults merely rearrange which parties hold the currency, right? If one party defaults in the private sphere, then some other party is going to gain from that loss. It's a zero-sum game. However, it is defaults, he says, by assets held by the central bank or alternatively the helicopter drop that break the short squeeze. And since central banks hold mainly government bonds, there is no collateral to be had. The asset side of the balance sheet is left barren and the currency worthless. He says that one of two things can end the dollar, a default in the assets on the central bank's balance sheet, which are mortgage-backed securities, treasury securities, and some gold, basically. Or if the central bank wants to enable the government to keep servicing those debts, there's gonna to have to be a much larger helicopter drop, which is when the currency will be abandoned. And so 2023 is going to be a year of the final pivot, which will be the helicopter drop. I don't think the dollar is going to collapse in a default of treasury securities. I don't think the Fed will allow that, but it will go the helicopter route. And once it does, the end game will take place quickly, much more quickly, I think, than it took from 1979 to 1980. And this time it will take only a few months. And there is a very decent chance might I even say a good chance that this will occur in 2023. This is Rafi with The Endgame Investor. If you enjoyed this video, consider signing up for a two-week free trial of The Endgame Investor or become my Patreon on Patreon, where I give a more biblical angle on monetary and economic systems. Happy New Year, everyone. God bless, and I'll see you all next week.